everybody, welcome to Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show. You're on KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. And do check us out at voicesfromthefrontlines.com. So I'm in studio with Jenny Martinez, the co-host, producer, and organizer out in the world with the Strategy Center, Jessica Meany from Investing in Place. And I'll tell you where I left off the uh, the soap opera and our listeners, you understand that the fight with the MTA is historic, exhausting, and rarely has a good outcome, but the stakes are so high. The consequences are so great for as many as 500,000 bus riders. And we repeat again, these are the janitors. These are the domestic workers. These are your sister, your brother. These are disabled, homeless, low in, it's the low income working class who is what we call transit dependent. They need that. They don't say, well, screw this. I'm getting in my car. They don't have a car. They can't afford a car. If the bus doesn't come, they have to wait. If the bus is late, they're late for work. If they don't have a job, they're late for their interview. We can go on and on. And yes, they are 20% Black, even though LA is down to 8% Black. But the riders are 20% Black because Black people are more low income. Black people are more transit dependent. So MTA is a very Black story. It's also more than 50% Latino. It's, and the Latinos, again, and Latinx people are, the you know, the garment workers, the hotel workers, the hospital workers. Anybody who has a worker after their name is on the MTA. And uh, if you say middle class, you're probably not on the MTA, except by choice. And the MTA is making it so bad that you're not going to want to make that choice. So we've been engaged in this fight, as you know, for almost 30 years now, if you can imagine. And the reason we do it is because we have no choice. These are our people. This is not abstract to us. This is the people we love and care about. And they don't, they don't say, well, I'm so sick of the buses. I quit. You know, I mean, what are they going to do? This is their life. They can't quit their life. So we give this high priority on voices from the front lines because we care deeply. And we have some very cool ideas about what we're going to do next. But The thing that was great is last night, we had a meeting with Jessica and Channing and several other really great people to just think ahead of time about what do we want to do today? We knew that the MTA and Jessica, I'm going to go to you first to lay out the alternate position and Channing, I'm going to go to you first to read the motion. So 
Jessica, why don't you set the frame for what are we? What did you think you were walking into today? And then I'll get into what you actually saw today. Sure. And Shannon, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I will say, Eric, it's so confusing tracking this issue at Metro and a lot of issues at Metro. It's like death by a thousand cuts. There's all these meetings and you never know. Is this the meeting where we're actually deciding something? Or is, is this what's going on here? What I saw happening today was, was first a really big historic thing in creating basically fair transit for people K through 12 and even into college. BRU, many people have been wanting students to ride free. They're a huge chunk of our ridership on our buses uh, to ride free for a long time. That was moving forward. But it was about a year ago now when Metro was quietly adopting the 20%, locking in the 20% bus cuts during COVID, that Phil Washington suddenly announced, hey, let's go fare free. And so here we are a circle you know, later. And so the conversation has elevated among a lot of board members about what does it look like to go fare free? And thankfully it's been elevated by community voices like you all, like Strategic Alliance for Just Economy, ACT LA and others. And there was pressure on the board to do something about it because we have had um, fare collections suspended on our buses since COVID started, since you know March, 2020. There was a move to reinstate fare collection for buses and trains in November. And then what happened was Supervisor Mitchell and Channing, you fill in all the blanks, but had a, a powerful and important motion to really address um, this and kind of push back on fare collection and recognizing the impacts of the pan ongoing pandemic on our bus riders. She was- so, so Jessica, hold on just a sec. So mm -hmm. for our listeners, that's probably even confusing, you know, no, really, I mean, to follow that they cut the service, but then they say it's gonna be free, but they say it's free because of COVID. They don't say yet it's gonna be really free. It's a temporary free. Uh, now that, and COVID is not over by any, any means, and, and we'll get to that. So keep going, Jessica. I'm just trying to each time. Yeah, I mean, I the reason I bring up like a year ago when this was introduced by Phil Washington, no one had heard of this. He said the CEO surprised everyone in this meeting saying, hey, I, I want us, it's a moral obligation, let's go fair free. And that's wonderful. But it did feel a little bit like a media stunt. And we're seeing the kind of tension of that over this past year, because there's not a whole lot of foundation, there's not very robust conversations. There's just this idea that's out there and people celebrate it at the high level of policymakers. But then when we kind of get in the weeds, most people, where are all the business leaders? Where are all, there's so many voices missing in today's meeting. But what was happening today was Supervisor Holly Mitchell was really trying to address the need that uh, we wanted to keep buses fare free as much as possible. And Metro currently and has had for many years a reduced program for fares called the LIFE program. So if you're low income, it's a way to get lower passes. However, like most of Metro's fare reduced programs, it's wildly unsubscribed. People don't even know about it, don't know how to access it. It's filled with paperwork. Only until recently could you apply online. You got to get a paper copy. It's just ridiculously awful and barriers to actually getting it. Supervisor Mitchell was trying to address that um, and kind of make a lot of improvements and hold Metro's feet to the fire and be like, hey, you have this program, but nobody knows about it. So one of the things that the strategy center has been saying is all these programs that are uh, ostensibly for the poor, like, is it called the life program, right? It still requires, when they say it's manifestly unsuccessful, 
it's because poor people don't want to put a sign around their neck that said poor. You know, uh, I know mainly working in the black community that the attack on social welfare programs has been so intense that in the 60s, people were fighting for the welfare state. And then the right wing said, you're on welfare. You're on welfare. You're a welfare queen, a welfare chief. And so the term welfare, which had always been used positively for white people during the 30s by Roosevelt, was now turned into a bad word. So when we say to people, would you like fair, free transit? A lot of black people say, oh, oh no, I want to pay. Uh, no, no, I don't want nothing free. And God knows if you say, would you like to be in a life program for poor people? And you get to wear this life card around your neck. Yes, it is, as most of the words you said, dramatically unsubscribed. And for good reasons, not because people don't know about it, but because I think they do know about it, you know? So Jesse, you're doing great. I just, you know, you keep going and I'll just keep, you know, back and forth, okay? Yep. So today, so, so you, today, so you like said, you said it good. So now yeah. today, what's happening? Good, good. And I think there's a lot to celebrate. We all want students to ride fare free. We all want more people to have more affordable ways to access Metro. We all pay for it. It's it's really our shared common tax dollars making it happen. So there's some good elements, but we weren't seeing leadership to actually get us to a fare free system for all. No application, no no you know proving that you're worthy to have fare free. So that's still tenuous. What happened was we're continuing to see conversations at Metro to promote life programs, discount programs, make them more accessible. You know, in some bright spots, go to the SNAP program where people are getting general relief, give out, you know, cards there, uh, go on buses to help people subscribe. That stuff resonates with me and I see value. But what where we currently landed is the student program is going forward, then Metro is maybe going to start collecting bus fares January 10th. But due to the bus riders union, due to ACT LA, due to Move LA, all these great leaders, there was some deep questions raised by the Metro board that I think people wanna explore the BRU's motion and really take a deeper look and poke holes at this whopper figure that Metro staff said. They said, if Metro goes fare free, it'll cost the agency a billion dollars a year. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of skepticism with some of the numbers that Metro is coming back with. Before I hand it off to Channing, though, I yeah. wanted to say one thing that blows my mind that no one talks about, Channing, you do, is that back in May, there was this motion from the board that really put a firewall saying we can never pay for fare free transit that would get in the way of any of our capital programs or anything. So there's like this weird dynamic of Metro saying, on the one hand, we can't afford it, but never acknowledging that they're the ones who handicap themselves. Right. Um, I don't know, Channing, what's your take? Yep, I feel like I, I've used, I've talked about that so many times. And it's interesting to see that, I think it was Catherine Barger even respond to say that, you're right, we have the money, we can afford free public transportation, but the voters voted for Measure M and those funds have to be used according to those dollars. Now, what she didn't talk about, and I didn't talk about because I only had one minute to speak and you have to choose what you have to say in one minute, <laughs> is that the bus rides unit did whole, a whole investigation and showed how the Metro baited and switched those funds. 
So it's not like you're getting the 20% of Measure M funds. You're not. Because if you were, then you would be getting 40% of funding for uh, service, uh, the bus service. And they're not. They're just switching it out and using that 20% that was currently there for something else because it's, quote, discretionary, and then replacing those funds with Measure M, and we have the documents to prove that. And to just stay there again, if you remember during the, uh, when we passed, what was it? Uh, what was it? A state lottery or something. And they said all the money is going to go to the schools. And then the money went to the schools. They took the school money and put them in prison. <laughs> no, they said, well, we never said the new money is going to be on top of the old money. And of course they did, but they left a legal ability. So uh, for Channing and, and Jessica and others, thanks for, you know, this is kind of grueling intellectual work, you know, besides the political work is just to follow it. So Channing, why don't you read the motion that we, in, that, and, and by the way, when we, a group of us last night, we worked on this motion, it was really fun. I mean, we actually, you know, it took us an hour to think this through and we amended it and uh, it was great. And, and Jessica, among others, thanks for the leadership on this. This was really a pleasure. So Channing, why don't you read the Bus Riders Union et al, including investing in place motion that we introduced today. Absolutely. And I, I do want to back that up. It was fun. And we were just having a conversation. And I just decided to start writing it down because it started sounding like a motion. <laughs> it, was, it was like the most productive meeting I've been in in a while, too. It was, and it was so started, I don't know, it just all kind of clicked for a lot of us, it felt like. So here's the motion. This is the Bus Riders Union motion for free public transportation. And it reads as the Bus Riders Union calls on Metro to implement complete free public transportation on buses and trains until January 2022. Thereafter, we urge Metro to continue free public transportation permanently. We urge board members who are not ready to continue the program to at the very most implement a $26 cap on any monthly passes indefinitely on the way to the implementation of universal free public transportation. The universal $26 pass shall not be tied to any low income programs and absolutely no income tests or self attestation processes. We further call on Metro to implement a universal honor system and no enforcement affairs. Any additional dollars received by Metro from state and federal sources shall be directed to support universal free public transportation. The last was the Jessica Meany motion amendment and the last. Well, I stole it from Eli though, move LA, right? Like, so we're all just crowdsourcing our heads, you know, which is right. wonderful. So here's the thing we want to say that, well, Chini, why don't you now interpret the motion? So what it is saying is right now there is free public transportation on the buses. There is not free public transportation on the trains. So that first sentence is very intentional to say expanded to the entire system. Our folks should not be trying to dodge and duck police, which they have been on the buses and trains. When we were going out on the buses and trains, it was the trains that people were primarily receiving tickets. Right. And that is where we get the concept of the apartheid system, that you're building a train system 
in which you're basically patrolling and making sure black people do not feel comfortable on the train system. And the same thing is happening today where the buses are free, the trains are not. The buses are not patrolled with uh, people checking the fares, but the trains are. Uh, so that was purposeful. The second thing is Metro has this life program, and this is the point I made today on the board, where basically 80 to 90% of riders qualify for the life program, which would provide a $26 pass and force bus riders to basically give over their financial documents in order to get this $26 pass. So naturally, after they spent an hour and a half talking about this, I got on public comment and said, if most of the riders kind of qualify for a $26 pass, why don't you just give it to them? Why create this other barrier? And it's because it's racism, as always. Or as we said on the last show, it's the white imperialist uh, system. I don't know how we said it. <laughs> that was cool, though. Um, the U.S. imperialist white settler state. It's the U.S. imperialist white settler state. Uh, so we propose that if you're going to say $26, let's make it a $26 cap, but only if it's on the way to free public transportation, not to say that you're going to ever pay $26, but we are paying for the public transportation system right now. And if you need time to figure out all your documents and all your legal jungle that you have to go through to make free public transportation, we are fine with that. Let's implement a $26 cap on the way to free. Second piece of that, which I already talked about, is that we don't want it as part of any self-attestation processes. We don't want it as part of the life program. Um, and, you know, I think the deeper question that we're addressing here is that while Metro is trying to make it seem, oh, we're going to go to all these public programs, I think you haven't really talked to all the people on those public programs. They hate having to bring income and prove their income every few months just to get benefits that they already paid for through their taxes. Um, so it's not a good thing. And we are trying to make a counter hegemonic intersection there that self-attestation has to die on the table. The last piece is that what we've always seen in the last 20 years is that whenever there's new money, Metro takes that money and it scoops it over to the rail and the capital projects and the freeway building uh, side of things. The biggest example of that is in 2014 when they raised the fares to $100, 100%, we got news that Garcetti had come back from Washington with $200 million uh for the purple line uh that after you'd spent months and months talking about we can't afford to run the buses we need this 24 million dollar fare increase 24 million dollar fare increase but he comes back with 200 million dollars of funds that are discretionary that he's deciding to use for the rail so we're saying that every single dollar that's coming into the agency from now on needs to be going to the buses you know, and it's a really thoughtful motion we'll get to and very thought through. And the last part, you see, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, we used to say, we're the bus riders union, and this is our fight. Mass transportation is a human right. We want a 50 cent fare and $20 passes because mass transportation belongs to the masses. And we were trying to raise the concept that it's public transportation. 
it's, you know, it's mass transportation belongs to the masses. Yes, I did write this one. And the thing we've been trying to do, which is very, very hard, is when I was in the civil rights movement, uh, which I still am, but I, when I was in the heart of it, finally, the perception of Black people to say, this is ours. You know, these are our rights, whether you have them in the law or not. We're going down south to risk our lives because there will not be segregated buses anymore. And we'll get killed on the process of doing so, but you're not going to segregate these buses. We are going to sit in, whether you want us to or not. You're going to serve us or not serve us, but we're not leaving. So that assertiveness led to what we call a revolution of rising expectations. So Black people say, well, I got a right to this. I got a right to that. Oh, yeah, well, I got a right to this, which is right. People start having a sense of rights, which is why it was called the civil rights movement. And those rights have been taken away. The concept of rights has been taken away. So the idea that you're in a government program, you have to earn your poverty. First, you're poor, and then you got to prove it, is so degrading. I mean, what people don't understand or we do at the Strategy Center is racism is material, racism is brutal, but it's also psychological and cultural. And the degrading of the slave from the very beginning, I remember seeing these films about the concentration camps where they always say that my, my people, the Jews, I won't repeat what they say, but imagine as they're whipping you, they're saying you ugly this and you, I mean, they're consistently screaming epithets at you, unspeakable epithets as they're about to put you in a gas chamber because it makes you think, well, after a while, maybe I deserve to be in a gas chamber. And slavery has always worked on force, but also on the breaking of the spirit of the slave. And the slave rebellion has been so amazing because the black people uh, terrify the white people because they still have a belief in their own rights, which terrifies the hell out of white people. Now, what's scary apparently is it terrifies the whole damn MTA board of all races. Uh, I wish it was true that all the black and Latinx people would say, no, our people demand this and our people deserve this. So. Okay, so you introduced the motion today. And I want to say one more thing about it to our listeners. Channing used the word counter-hegemonic. And what we mean by that is we're trying to break how people think, right? We're trying to break the mold of you thought a certain way and somebody says it and you go, oh, of course. Not of course, but wow, your first reaction is to go backward. Like, what do you mean honor system? It just means our system that if you can afford to pay, you will. If you don't, you won't. And there will be no police on the trains and you will not be, you know, investigated as to whether or not you paid. So Channing, why don't you move to the Mike Bonin story? And then Jessica, why don't you follow up by both of you tell me the, the soap opera, I always call it. So tell me how today's soap opera played out. So Channing, why don't you start with how did people respond to our motion? Jessica, what did you say in public comment? 
So that's coming up. I'm giving you a cue. So uh, Channing, why don't you go with, how did the motion go over? Did anybody respond to it? Because the concept that we have a motion to make is another counter hegemonic tactic, which is I'm so sick of public comment being, oh, this is very bad and we don't like this, please, please, please. You know, they go next, next, pass the salami, you know, was Connie Rice used to say, pass the gray poupon, you know, <laughs> like, so we decided instead of telling them what's wrong, why don't we introduce our own motion? So go ahead, Jenny, how did it go? Well, almost all of the board members acknowledged its existence. It's great. Now, what they said about it is a totally different thing. I think the only board member that both acknowledged its existence and moved to take action was Councilman Mike Bonin, who said in a very vivid and amazing speech that really remind, it made me literally feel like I was in court with um, you know Nelson Mandela giving his uh, eulogy about why he did, why he's not going to admit or apologize for his actions. You know, he he basically, uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find the word. He submitted into the record that the Metro should actually take a look at a full analysis of the bus riders union motion for the $26 pass. And I wanna hear a report back. Um, all of the other board members, whatever they said, they all basically said, we received it eight o'clock at night. It's unrealistic, but let's give $26 passes to everyone and force them to you know, self-attest or give their income. What, what did Holly Mitchell say? Holly Mitchell basically said, I received the motion at 8 p.m. at night, but I have a better motion, which is to improve the life program and expand it tremendously. And I know that there's been all types of problems with that, but I think this motion is realistic and operational, I think is the word that she said. Whereas we're not there, at, we're not at the present moment where we can move to the bus riders union motion or free public transportation. Well, I mean that that's really great because you know the first round of organizing is the other side, and it is unfortunately the other side, except for Mike right now. And I we still have a lot of hope for Holly, but the question is they have to know that they're being challenged. That we like. I just want to say one thing, and we'll go to you, Jessica, is that that funny thing about I got it at 8 o'clock at night. As I always say, if I called you up, Howie, I want to make a million-dollar contribution to your campaign at 8 o'clock at night, would you say, no, no, don't ever call me at 8 o'clock at night. You know, so the fact that they're acknowledging that they got 8 o'clock at night, as if they didn't know what we thought before. You know what I mean? Like, this was a big shock that we want free part. Did you not read the T-shirt? So... Um, Okay, so this is fun now, uh, Jessica. You're 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 watching of the movie. Tell us how you saw the movie today. Okay, so slightly different than Shannon. I actually heard Supervisor Solis, Supervisor Holly Mitchell, and Director Bonin talk about the BRU. The BRU was mentioned throughout the discussion, and that like, amazing. It is amazing. And the reason why is because the motion makes sense. 
You know, you want to do $26 for a life pass, do $26 for everybody. If we're not in a place because of all of these reasons around access services or federal laws, blah, 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 to we're not yet ready to go fare free, then just go 26. If you're going to do it for 80% of the customers, let's, you know. So I, I thought Supervisor Mitchell actually had some good things to say about the motion. I heard her say more like she needs more time. And I think we're going to actually see some movement on that. What are we, September? I mean, I... For me, I'm a process person, right? My best hope for change at Metro and the way our tax dollars are invested is more transparency and larger conversations. There's something to be said that this, that the Fairless System Initiative, we, Metro doesn't have any meetings in August at them. Everybody kind of takes their summer break, blah, blah, blah. We had what, like a week notice of when the board report went right, out right. to when this was discussed. We need a much longer, more transparent, more inclusive conversation. Think about all the small businesses that would love to have their employees be able to get to work. Where were they? Right. This was a very important conversation, and only a sliver of people seem aware of it. Us, like people who are watching it. I mean, Channing, you found out what a week ago to a week and a half ago. So, I'm hopeful that the Bus Riders Union's motion and other efforts by Act LA, Move LA, our partners. And, and Councilmember Bond and Director Bonin and the supervisors will buy us some time between now and January to have a more thoughtful conversation and a more inclusive, transparent conversation. There's all these numbers being thrown. Um, what, and we also have a new CEO, right? So we have a new CEO at Metro who inherited what I would say a political ploy from Mayor Eric Garcetti and Phil Washington that didn't necessarily do fareless transit, you know, that didn't necessarily have the building base or a lot of people thought finances plugged in. We need to kind of slow it down before we jump into anything. And I think this fall is that opportunity. And I think the BRU motion got traction and was mentioned several times because it's simple and it makes sense. And so I'm curious to see where that goes. Um, yeah, so, I'm yeah. sorry. No, keep going, Jessica. I didn't mean no, to... I mean, I think there was a lot to pick through in the the, the comments from the board directors. And honestly, I was so confused. And I am a professional who does this. I can't imagine how this translates to regular people outside, right? We just need to get somewhere on the bus. What, what I said in my public comment though is uh, a bunch, I try to squeeze in a bunch and I always get so nervous, but buses are awful right now. They are worse now, even before COVID than they were in 2001, thanks to the consent degree. Where the, I want fair free transit and better buses. Right now, there's a lot of tension I hear behind the scenes of if we go fair free, we have a crappy system now. Well, I want it both. And I think that comes with transparency in our money and larger conversations and who gets to decide. You know, the, the Metro has an $8 billion budget and that was approved in a 15 minute budget hearing led by Director Butts in May, what the f like that is where my heart is of blood transparency and our billions and, and why, are, I mean, our buses, I, I heard this smart little statistic the other day from Transit Center that you can reach 17 times more places in LA with a car than transit. Like we were literally failing the whole concept. Yet we live in a region where Phil Washington used to say we're the home to the biggest public works program in the country. So oodles of dollars, but we can't seem to run a bus system that has dignity and safety and reliability. All the things the bus riders union has been talking about forever. So. Hold it there. That was great. And one thing I was just going to say last night in the conversation, we kept playing around with how to write a tight motion, you know, and how to write a motion that's so tight that you can't find 
weak threads in it because if you put something in front of I we don't agree as you know we think there's a lot of class interests on that board that are different than ours but if you're trying to influence somebody that you have to feel that they're saying that motion is tight there's nothing I can do I can vote it up or down but I can't say I did so one of the things that Farmar Navavi said yesterday we were playing around with that the $26 thing let's keep that because that's their number and so we're sort of saying that's your number for the life program and we're saying no that's the number for everybody right and then the other thing we were trying to say is that's the ceiling not the floor the, the ceiling is 26 and the floor is zero and of course that's why they're so scared because if they lock in 26 uh first of all that means already a tremendous benefit for people you know let's just not even say on the way to let's be honest that's a major change in people's lives i thought what you said jessica was great about oh man you know at one point we had um working with julian burke uh many years ago the so-called uh advanced procurement program he called it where he and i worked together to put together a motion for really brand new buses cng buses and to just get rid of the entire diesel fleet it just shows they can do it if there's will on the other side and he was hostile not hostile he was challenging his own board after all he was just sick of them you know what i mean i mean he just watched them all fighting over their real projects so i think what you said is very important that i think we need to do more analysis of the state of the buses right concretely and then one thing i like to say is i don't think it's it's because our motion's so great i really do think a lot has to do with chanting i really do that there's a young black man who ran for city council and he got five percent of the vote in the 10th district and 10 percent of the black vote he is not the white nerdy guy that stands up and, and has the facts but he's a black man that knows the facts and he's learned the budget he's learned the facts so they they can't say well you're good but you don't you know all the racist things we have had to deal with and he's the unchallenged right now leader that, along with barbara lahal leader of our movement um i'm still an active advisor friend of the movement but i'm not you know i used to be at one point the frontline person i'm not and i think the second thing is the bus fighters union is their worst nightmare you know that it still has cachet in the city. You know, Bus Riders Union is not a motion. It's the Bus Riders Union motion. And they know we represent the bus riders. And I think that's really important uh, that it's not in life the motion, it's the power. And in a small way, they see us as having some power. And you play a really good role in that, Jessica, for amplifying and supporting Channing in that process. Jenny, why don't you tell us about our stander and how we plan, we learned that new word, is that the right word? Uh, tell us the next plan to try to get the BRU more out in the street and you can start telling people about it now as another uh, announcement about the program. Uh, sure, uh, and, and to your last point, I think that is right. They, the Bus Riders Union does have a lot of cash today and I'm even looking at a tweet that 
I, I have no idea who it's from. Someone named Bread Takes that tweeted to Holly Mitchell in response to her victory tweet to say, hey, and what about the bus riders in motion? <laughs> Which I think is great. <laughs> Man, um, so we have, I guess let's call a stander or prop. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to standard. Um, and I just, me and Eric designed this great, uh, very bright and then beautiful stander. And we are announcing and launching a Bus Riders Union um, canvassing program. Um, and it's going to be, what, two or three days a week, um, $15 an hour. And we're looking for folks to come out and really drive membership for the Bus Riders Union and to really expand our reach. Um, I think it's a very exciting program. I came into the Bus Riders Union as a member, and when I began on staff, I started as an intern going out on the buses and on the trains with the Trayvon Martin voting rights referendum. So I was a canvasser as well, and we got three or four hundred uh, votes. We spoke to I don't know something like fifty thousand people over the summer over several months. You know whether we whether we got their vote or not they could not say that we did not speak to them they could not say that we don't know those people in the blue shirts they knew us with those blue shirts because we were everywhere we were everywhere in south la everywhere in east la we reached thousands and thousands of people and so this program has a very big uh, ability to significantly increase our impact so that you know the Metro Board might not be ready to analyze our motion today on the meeting, but we plan to get that motion to 50,000, 60,000 bus riders' hands. So at least they know that the fight is happening and they at least know that the motion exists. That's great. And the standard is uh, one of those signs, six feet high, and it's got one of those, it stands up by itself. That's got pictures of Channing and Barbara and Akuna Uka and Emily Zamora and me. And it says, if you want to work for the revolution, if you want free public transportation, if you want no police on the buses and trains, it also says if you want hands off Venezuela, China, Russia, Cuba, and Iraq. And that's another thing that people like about the bus riders union is we've never been all, we're about changing the world, not just changing the buses. And this is a lot geared to high school students right now. It's a $15 an hour. It's a great job. And you'll put on the yellow t-shirt of the Bus Riders Union and you'll go into the community and talk to people and Channing and Barbara and others will train you. You'll know what you're talking about. And you'll, if we can amplify, and we have funds for this, you know, if you can amplify the message by just seeing all those yellow shirts and bus, you know, because we've been, uh, We've been heavily set back by COVID, the whole world has, and so are we. Uh, we're, we're a people organization. When you said process, you know, Jessica, so a process is a lot talking to people. And our inability to go on the buses and trains, our inability to go into the community. A lot of the parents saying, I, I will not let my, my son and daughter go out has been very uh, hard. So if you're interested especially if you're a young person of color, especially, but it's open to people of all races who, who have a good willingness to go out. And it's not just for high school students. 
How do they reach you, Jenny? They can email me directly, channing at thestrategycenter.org. Um, we will also, as soon as our stander arrives, the physical prop, which I think is really cool, um, we'll also have a web pa uh, page on our website, www.thestrategycenter.org, where you'll be, sorry, where you will be able to read more about this uh, position and what we're trying to do. And last thing before I go back to you, Jessica, is, you know, I meet a lot of people, uh, you know, in the black community and, but of all races, you know, say, I have a daughter and a son, they're, they're pretty socially conscious. They, they're not, you know, I'd like to get them involved in something positive. You know, do you have a program for them? You know, they have good thoughts, but they've never done anything. And if you know such a young person, uh, you'll still have to do it. You'll have to get onto the field. You'll be evaluated. It's a job, but it's a fun, you know, the revolution can be fun too. And uh, they, you don't have to be, you just have to have a good heart and a good soul and we can figure out the rest. So info at the strategycenter.org, Channing at the strategycenter.org. Is that correct? We'll focus on Channing. No, really, because there's a person at the strategycenter.org. Jessica, I want to ask you an interesting question because writing is interesting. Because when you came over to the strategy and soul, you know, we have every year of the strategy center up there. Every, uh, my wife, Leanne Hurst, man, came up with this idea of on our 10th anniversary, every year was consolidated into a poster. And now we have 32 years walking around. And you said, oh my God, I know this one, I know this one. Tell us your history with us and how you know about us and what was your own history of getting involved in this? Ooh, that's a tender. Um, so I grew up in Massachusetts, um, but I moved to Los Angeles in 1997. And I don't, I, for, I don't drive, I don't really like to drive. Um, you know, I, and when I was much younger, I would, I, I, and I still do, I bike everywhere and I ride the bus. I was riding the bus in downtown LA at my administrative assistant job in the 90s when, when, when the BRU boarded the bus, no seat, no fare. And the wheat pasties of the sardines in the can. I was on those buses with those giant step ups. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and I went to the church in K-Town for the member meeting. And I saw the multilingual and I had to go to an orientation because I was a new kid. And I was like, this is awesome. And I gradually made my way into the field of transportation advocacy because I don't drive. And because of the experience I had relying on the bus, and this is before apps, this is before anything. I lived through two bus strikes. Um, I was going to Cal State LA at the time for one of the bus strikes and I would ride the Foothill Express and then walk home. Um, and so I've always been a supporter of the BRU and have known organizers um, throughout my career. I am a deep policy thinker and I do a little bit of an inside outside strategy has been my role. And I don't, I'm not really a direct organizer but I love to work in partnership with direct organizers to lift them up and to share all the wonky stuff kicking around in my head um, to expand the voices at the table. Cause that's what I feel really is, uh, 
it, like, it's hard for me to accept. We can hear a lot of conversations about equity and racial justice from policymakers, but if they're just talking to white people like myself or their board deputies that are white or the affluent people, that's not, you know, how are we getting people closer to the problem or closer to the solution? So what, what's my role in being a bridge builder? But I love cities. My plan, my academic training is actually sociology, and I see transportation as a key way to connect us with our loved ones, to having fun, to getting to work, to paying the bills, to getting to school. And LA has a racist transportation system. Period. Yeah, but that was great. And you know, our, our slogan, "Fight transit racism." I'll come back to that in a minute, but. That's a good story, Jessica, because you know, I think you and Channing are in many ways a good team and a good example of allies who really know how to work together, you know, and that we're, we don't really say that, you know, I mean, to say we're not the big fan of most white people for all the reasons you say. And I think your consciousness about it is pretty good, you know, to say the least. And that you can be your own self, but we want to elevate Barbara and Channing and the other leaders at the BRU because they deserve it. You know, they are the real leaders of the movement and they come out of, Channing comes out of uh, Audubon Middle School and Crenshaw High School and went to, you know, Otis School of Art and Design and Barbara has been in South LA, you know, as she's been black her whole life, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, that's, they are the real, you know, the thing about the BRU and I'm a really good organizer is we found great leaders, we build great leaders, we invest in great leaders, and then we uh, get them exposure and train them to get in front of this microphone with the forces of evil in some way. And that's partly how we become a formidable force. And we appreciate, I appreciate the role you've been playing in this movement and this struggle. And I, for the first time in a long time, I'm feeling optimistic. You know what I mean? I think we're shaping the terms again. You know, one one thing, Jessica, you know, Phil Washington would call me every couple of months. And Eric, I gotta talk to you. Okay, great. What do you think of free public transportation? I go, Phil, that's a great idea. Did you invent that? That's really cool. You know, I that's what we've been saying for 20 years. He said, No, no, I'm I'm for you. And I and he says, Well, how do you feel about congestion pricing? I said, what? He says, well, I got to pay for it somehow. And I said, Phil, you can't. The congestion pricing means that you uh, charge people if they have to do it during the rush hour and you make it free virtually. You know, you basically make driving a car another form of paying for something. So I said, Phil, what about the sales taxes that we already paid? And our members who are on the bus and also drive, they don't say to their boss, well, you know what? I kind of like the afternoon better. You know, I can get some congestion pricing. But I said, Phil, the big thing is why do you, like, it's such a good idea. And then you always have to have this poison pill. It's always like, you can't just say, I'm going to help you get free public transportation. You're going to tie it to something else that's bad. And another thing the Strategy Center will not do is trade off our people's rights. You know, we will settle for $26 on the way to, that's not giving away your rights, but we're not gonna give away $26 in return to self-attestation. 
that that is giving away your rights. And we will never sign off. We love the bus riders and they love us. That's why they love us because they say, you people don't play. We hear you. You're out there fighting for us. You heard us. We don't want the life program. We just want the damn free buses. And as I once said, as I said to somebody on the bus, what do you think about free public transportation? He said, well, that's about what I can afford. So that sounds good to me. So why don't you both tie up, you know, your, your last thoughts. And again, uh, Channing comes out of the high schools, the story you said. Who were some of the organizers you remember, the Bus Riders Union? Jessica, that's another good- Sun Young Yang. I oh, love yeah. Sun Young. Yeah, the great Sun Young Yang. She was a- uh... Why are you laughing, Channing? What? So she was, she, I, I, well, cause I would, I would see her a lot in the Metro meetings too. Oh no, you say, are we laughing? No, Jenny. Well, tell her why, why are you laughing? It's a, it's a very positive laugh. It's not what you think. It is a very positive laugh because Sun Young was uh, my main organizer who connected me to a lot of the work. And uh, she was fierce. God, I can, I mean, I would disappear for three weeks sometimes. Oh no, I would get a whole talking. How can you not return my call? Don't you know how important this work is? And I mean, it was great though, because I learned how to be more responsible um, and I learned how to carry the work. So she was really great and she was really first as well. It's fine. And, and inclusive, you know, she was always like accessible and like, I, I don't know, she was so friendly. But I think everyone I think about like wrapping up though too, is it, so I interned at Metro back in the day, 2006, in the customer services program around fair media um, with the union workers and all of that. And oh, the, oh and, and you know, when the, when the consent decree ended, there was a sentiment of like, oh, we were pushed into this corner at Metro and, and you know, the consent decree. But when we look at the data, some of the bus, best bus service we've had in the LA region was because of the BRU and because of the consent decree. And I think as that story becomes elevated, it needs to be elevated. And we need to have, a, you know, we've had since the consent decree lapsed, we've had two major mega sales taxes and still crummy buses. And Sun Young used to be frustrated of, we got, what do we got, Sue Metro in order to get things, you know? And, and so I think like, I, I don't know the answer, but I think that the, con the consent degree is a, such an important part of our history in LA around transportation. And that's thanks to the Bus Riders Union. And I think you guys have been wearing those shirts forever, the yellow shirts, and have been saying these chants and have been calling to get the cops off our buses and fare free. And I, I just want to recognize and thank you guys for your leadership and all the community members who sit through those metro boards. They are not easy. They are really tough to sit through for so many reasons. And I think that there is a lot of reason to be hopeful and continue to work together for our city and for our buses. Yeah, so that's, that would be my closing. Well, that was great. And the voice you just heard was Jessica Meany. The group she works with is called Investing in Place. The other voice you heard, of course, is Jenny Martinez, who uh, in some way is, you know, he's co-host of the show, but I like him more as a, not a guest, but you know what I mean, where he can be Channing and and come in as the organizer. You know, he's a resident organizer. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny about Sun Young Yang. Before you said it, I was going to say fierce. It's the same word, you know, and one more Sun Young story, and then I want to thank a few other people, is uh, 
the people that work at the strategy center, you know, she'd say, uh, so, so get over here. All right, take these flyers, go out right now. No, 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 all of them. All right, be back in an hour. I expect this, I expect that. And my kind of person, we don't play, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a it, it's, we're trying to win. And I was looking, I just want to thank you, Kanza Ramsey and Chris Mathis and Lisa Duran, who helped us. I want to thank Connie Rice, who was just an amazing attorney, Bill Van Lee, who helped us so much on the consent decree. There are so many people, the late Woodrow Coleman, you know, I can go on, but uh, today I was walking around the same, uh, showing another friend of ours, the, the strategy in the soul room, you know, and thousands of faces, it seemed like. And I knew the names of so many. And again, my wife, Leanne, who, you know, just to, to realize, to appreciate the concept of make history, that's one of our slogans, you know, to realize history is made in the present, not just something you study. So this is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show. Uh, we've been on with Channing Martinez and Jessica Meany. We do want to thank the members of the board. I want to particularly thank Mike Bonin because that's what leadership, it simply means somebody starts it. For him to say very simply, I want the bus riders union motion to be analyzed and I want you to report back. And the fact that I think it's true that it got in the motion, it was not knocked out, is that correct? That it's part of the omnibus that was passed today? I think that is the sense. And and I think we have about four more minutes, but I think we have to go back because the motion has changed so many times. We want to go back and get all the details uh, in writing of what exactly was passed. But my sense is that is in the motion that passed today. Okay. I'm going to sort of uh, take a just one pause. I'm just going to do about two minutes on China as a coming attraction. In the great big city of Los Angeles, waiting for the bus really sucks. The minutes seem like years gone by while people laugh as they drive by. You might as well be dressed like a clown standing at a bus stop in this town. You can go ahead and frown, sit yourself down, cause it's gonna be a while before the bus comes around. I don't have a car cause I can't afford it. So when the bus gets here, I gotta board it. Unless of course the bus is too crowded. It may not be yoked, but I doubt it. I am shunned to look down upon if you don't have a car then something's wrong right nah it's just set up that way special thanks to the mta so hey everybody uh it's been a wonderful conversation uh, yeah, there are many things on my mind about, uh, we'll talk to you about COP26, which is the United Nations Conference of the Congress of Parties that's going to take place in basically October 31st to November 12th about climate change. That'll be one of our subsequent programs. And I want to talk to you about something I hope you could read. There's an amazing magazine called Monthly Review. It has an editor named John Bellamy Foster, who's done just astounding work on ecology and Marxism. 
But in particular, there's a chilling article called The New Cold War with China that exposes Joe Biden for just the imperialist bully that he is. And while we're all talking about the buses and whatever else we're talking about, the United States is launching an aggressive military campaign against China to totally discredit China because they're losing, of all things, in the world capitalist marketplace to China. So when the United States loses fair and square, it has to shift the terms and it has to shift the balance of forces. So if you can imagine, the United States is now in an ugly alliance with Japan, uh, Australia, New Zealand, India, it's trying to move India, uh, Canada, which is, folks, it's not a liberal country. It's a disgusting country. I mean, you should check it out, what they're doing in the world. And these forces are trying to encircle China uh, to try to destabilize it, even to interfere in its internal affairs. But here's the positive. China has nuclear weapons. China is building an alliance. It's called the Road and Belt Initiative, where it's going all over the world to build economic relationships of equality with 35 African countries moving actual aid to them. And China is fighting back, even though it's heavily encircled. And we need a peace movement to say, we don't want a US war against China. Why don't you get the black people out of prison and stop talking about China's human rights problems. So with that, we wish you all the best. Nina Simone will always take you in and take you out. I will talk to you next Tuesday. Uh, it's old, but never gets old for me. All power to the people. This is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontlines. Take very good care of yourselves. Say and state my case of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I've traveled each and every highway and more much more than this I did my way I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each chart of course, each careful footstep alone. Yeah.